Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or it's good morning. This is you guys on tech. I am Eagle Falcon. Welcome to the bonus episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech, where all the stories we couldn't get to, and I'll tell you what, there has been no shortage of tech news lately. I thought having a two-hour time slot, it'd be I'd struggle to fill that. Boy, was I wrong. I do not struggle to fill that time slot at all. If anything, I struggle to get as much in as I can. What do you choose? What goes in the bonus episode? What goes into the main episode? It's always a challenge. But I give you this headline. Chinese GPU maker, Inosilicon, or Inosilicon, I'm not sure how it's pronounced, but whichever, unveils the Fantasy One chip for discrete GPU cards up to 32 gigabytes of GDDR6 memory and dual GPU solutions at five teraflops. Now, I have no idea where this company came from. This is the first time I've ever heard of them, but here we are. Apparently now um, we're just, anyone can make a GPU. I wanna know who's making them for them though. Who is taking up precious space in the foundries to go make these GPUs that, I mean, I'll be perfectly honest, I have no faith that these are going to outperform. I mean, dual GPU solutions at five teraflops. I mean, you're not coming close to AMD and NVIDIA. You might compete with Intel, maybe, depending on how well their stuff goes, but let's be perfectly honest. Right now in the world of there being these tight constraints on all available chip product. This is basically e-waste. It's made even worse by the fact that these brand new GPUs have VGA out on them. But it's once again another feather in the cap of China being completely independent from anything Western despite the fact that um, for the most part, most of what everything China produces has just been, well, disappointing or a blatant ripoff, one or the other. And it is kind of a shame, but that is what we deal with now. Meanwhile, Tesla is gonna be moving over to AMD CPU, oh, by the way, the reason that it's, you know, GDDR6 and why so much memory, most likely to try and sell to people who don't know better. Let's be perfectly honest. I actually, I, 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 I should have addressed that first. Let's be perfectly honest. When it comes to GPUs, the average person has no way to look at the specs and know which one is better. Oh, shader cores, that does a thing. RTX cores, tensor cores, clock speeds. How does that all, it's one thing to go ahead and look at a CPU and go, oh, four gigahertz, 10 cores. That's gooder than three gigahertz, six cores. So therefore four gigahertz better. I have no idea if those chips even exist. I just made up those numbers. 
Now, the, um, on the GPU market, it is near impossible to determine what is a good GPU and what isn't just by the specs alone. But a lot of people just go to that number is bigger, the six gigs of RAM or the three gigs of RAM. And then, you know, they just assume, hey, a bit bigger, better, go. That makes sense. Why not? Why wouldn't bigger, why wouldn't bigger number be better -er? The other thing is that GDDR6 right now is more plentiful than GDDR5. So they take the more available RAM, they throw a ton of it on there, so you see a bigger number and immediately assume better. That's the only reason. I would be stunned if these GPUs can comprehend 32 gigs of RAM. So that is my thoughts. I would love to see more details, but unfortunately, I mean, let's be honest, it's a Chinese card that was intentionally made for the sole purpose of boasting Chinese independence from the West. And at the rate they're going, independence from the rest of the world, because China be crazy. Just saying. And I don't mean it's people, I mean the, you, you know what I mean. I mean the people in charge. Before anyone go, go, goes, oh, you being racist. No, I'm not. I'm being a realist. Tesla is moving, ain't moving. Bleh, excuse me. Tesla moves to AMD chips in its Model Y vehicles in China. What? So this is a move that I don't fully understand. So part of it is that I'm not entirely certain what kind of CPUs um, Tesla used before. But um, yeah, I want to say Tesla used like Nvidia, like an entire Nvidia SOC. So moving to Ryzen uh, would make CPU faster, potentially have an integrated GPU that'd be better, and so on and so forth. So on paper, it should be an improvement, I think. But why only in China? It's puzzling to say the least. And what... I don't understand is why only in China? Why is there now a fork of the Model Y of a year model? Will the rest of the world see this upgrade? Is this an upgrade? If it's not an upgrade, why are we doing it? And by we, I mean Tesla. I got no stake in this other than understanding, which I currently don't. At this time, Tesla has offered no explanation as to why they've done this. So there we are. I guess only down the road we'll find out if there was any purpose 
behind it. Qualcomm announces its Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 flagship SOCs for its 2022 devices. So we're seeing the new generation of Snapdragons. These chips will have a bunch of new features of which, let's be honest, we're all going to forget all of them. And let's also be honest. The only thing that really matters is the fact they're being manufactured on the Samsung 4 nanometer process node. Hopefully Samsung can actually make them, unlike, you know, the RTX line, hint, hint. And, um... I could list off all the numbers. But let's be perfectly honest. I don't fully comprehend what it's going to mean. And most likely you won't fully comprehend what it's going to mean either. I mean, I could say, oh yeah, it's got a one Cortex X2 CPU chip and three Cortex A710 CPU chips and four Cortex A510 CPU chips. As it's little big bigger architecture okay the clock speeds are roughly the same as the previous gen okay it has a new gpu okay what's the specs on it ah we don't know okay oh it has a x65 integrated modem instead of an x60 integrated modem what does that mean oh see we could go on and on about it but we learn nothing other than it's four nanometer. But apparently uh, par paired with it is Qualcomm's new always on smartphone technology. Always, I'm sorry, always on smartphone camera technology. Let that one sink in for a minute. The camera being potentially always on and able to sustain being always on, which let's be perfectly honest. This would be a really, really cool feature after the phone outlives its useful lifespan and has turned into, say, a dash cam or a security camera or something like that. After all. Once a phone is no longer a phone, it's, you know, a small, a small outdated computer with some pretty decent cameras on them. But while it's a phone, the concept of the phone of the cameras always being on. Nightmare. There's just no other way to phrase it. How else do you look at that? The camera's just always on. Always watching. Always paying attention to what you're doing. Yeah, no. No. It really would be something that you'd have to contemplate. Do you really want this phone? And before someone says, oh, don't worry, the software will block it. Yeah, until there's malware. 
never ever assume a hardware feature can easily be restricted by software. Software is malleable. Hardware is not. Always remember that. Qualcomm and Razer are sending out a developer kit for next-gen mobile gaming. This dev kit is going to be a basically an Android phone inside a what looks like a Nintendo Switch, except with the controller still attached. Basically a Steam Deck. The dev kit is a Steam Deck, except on ARM and running Android. And instantly most people stopped caring Because let's be perfectly honest. The only people who are going to care are in mostly Eastern markets. Otherwise, the majority of the gaming world is turning their back more and more and more on mobile gaming. because the predatory monetization efforts are just becoming too much to bear, especially with the current financial, uh, st uh, the current financial fallout of, well, the pandemic. Yeah. So what, I'm curious as to who's going to buy into this. I really am. This sort of concept. Because why else make a dev kit unless you're going to go ahead and eventually release a device like this. Or at least something to turn your phone into a device like this. And that's more likely because we've already seen stuff like that. Heck, Asus has tried it several times. But in the end, I mean, name a good mobile game. What, Genshin Impact? Among Us? Hmm. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? And even then, Genshin Impact is starting to fall out of favor. That being said, still looking to hear some good mobile game recommendations that aren't hilariously predatory in their monetization efforts. And that's the key in all of this. Meanwhile, Sony is also working on a device very similar to this. A PlayStation mobile controller, according to a patent. They look literally looks like two halves of a DualShock controller on either side of the phone. I'm not even kidding. That's what, exactly what the patent looks like. It is incredible. Meanwhile, over the Thanksgiving weekend, the Steam had its highest concurrent players over the weekend ever. And the top games were actually very... Interesting. 
at the time of writing it, the 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 top games that I played were were Counter Strike Glo Global Offensive, Dota 2, New World, Halo Infinite, and Team Fortress 2. Halo Infinite, of course, being the most likely the biggest contributor to this, considering the fact that it launched with free multiplayer for everyone. I mean, you have free multiplayer like that for anyone, and there's no predatory nonsense built into it. I mean, of course you're going to do it. That's some good old Halo fun. In addition, some other higher performing games were um, also Final Fantasy XIV before it launched Endwalker. I'll tell you right now, I'm recording this Sunday night. I just finished basically two almost 12 hour streams of nothing but Final Fantasy XIV Endwalker. The game itself is insane. The story is insane. I'm not going to say anything more than that. The story is exceeding my expectations. It is proceeding faster than I expected. And there's still so much more to cover. But the biggest story by far are the login queues. And the login queue servers themselves being overloaded. People being unable to even enter in the line to get into the game. Because they get an error saying, the server's full, try later. It's nuts. It is absolutely insane. I cannot wait to hear those numbers. I'm very, very curious. What's going to be going on there? In oddball news, though, Elsonic has rolled out a ultra-tall display specifically designed for social media scrolling. It is going to end up being a $130 monitor. Unsure at this point whether it's going to be a touchscreen or not. But it's a 1920 by 420 panel. And I mean it the other way, 420 by 1920. It, it's silly. It is absolutely silly. It was originally designed as a joke, but actually became desired L let me tell you something here if you have spare monitors and a lot of uh, corporate monitors do this you can tilt your screen 90 degrees turn it completely from from landscape to portrait it's actually very easy to do And then once you do that, you can just go into your resolution settings and then set it appropriately. I would only get something like this if you absolutely had to.
We're going to take a break here when we come back. Some very, very um, interesting stories. One of which basically being corporate bullying. And of course, a sneak peek at one of the new bumpers for 2022. And this one actually is one that's going to be used quite a bit because it's going to be our dread bumper. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. For the past couple of years, we've always had one bumper in the rotation that I've referred to as the dread bumper. The one that kind of says that, you know, what's about to come up is just, it's gonna be a hard listen to, but you gotta hear it. Last time we had the Dark Star. The time before that, we had Oracle. Now, the Shinra theme. This time around, I intentionally left it longer so that I could get into the story and let the music kind of bring you into the feeling of the story, such as Take Two, claiming it owns the words Rockstar, Bully, and the letter R. Are you kidding me? Seriously, this is what you want to try and go, go after. Take-Two Interactive as a video game holdings company owns many best-selling and well-received IPs, including GTA, Borderlands, Bioshock, and more. And the company is trying to protect these properties, but in doing so is trying to trademark basic words such as Rockstar and Bully. Very Apple-like of them, isn't it? I mean, we've heard this kind of stuff before. <laughs> from Apple trying to go ahead and trademark a square, some basic shapes, but holy cow, the letter R? Really? That's what we're gonna go with? Bully, Rockstar, the letter R? Come on, man. Just come on. And of course, some of the companies that were hit by this trademark disputes are the Rockstar Princess, Bully Free World, Take Five, Rockstar Authorities and Tattoo Parlors, and Rockstar Axe Throwing. They're literally just going out and trying to copyright troll. There's no other way to describe this, and it is absolutely disgusting. I, I legit have no other way to describe it. This will be a fun one to see if they do get away with this or if they get slapped down. I, of course, am hoping they get slapped down. And I bet you guys are looking forward to hearing news about Activision Blizzard to the tune of the Shinra theme. Oh, it'll most likely happen because, man, this, sh this Shinra story... Or the Shinra story. This uh, Activision Blizzard story shows no signs of weakening because holy cow. Actually, I take that back. It, well, no, right now it shows no signs of weakening, of, of weakening at all. And it probably won't until Bobby Kotick finally steps down. 
he is a dead man walking and he doesn't realize it yet. There's some new developments, but I don't have all the details yet. I will most likely talk about them uh, probably tomorrow on the early burb briefing. And most likely they'll end up in Eagle Eyes on Tech for next week. Sony is building an Xbox Game Pass competitor. That is at least according to brand new leaks. Now, let's be perfectly honest. Are we really surprised? I'm not really surprised. It was really only a matter of time until Sony really looked at what Microsoft was doing and saying they probably should do the same sort of thing. Trying to evolve and get up to speed with what is available only makes sense. So, with that, I would say good luck. Good luck, Sony, and I hope you at least, unlike other companies, at least try to add enough new features that you can try and say it's something brand new. R the rumors right now are saying that it's going to try and integrate their cloud gaming service in addition to the PS Plus program, which provides free games. Well, again, we'll just have to see how well that goes. Out of nowhere, Quake 1 got its first major co-op <laughs> content update in 25 years. What? Yeah, apparently Quake 1 got an update. And it features the new mode called Horde Mode, which works pretty much the same as the Horde Mode in Gears of War. But instead of progressing through a level from start to finish, players are expected to hunker down inside somewhat circular arenas and then contend with hundreds of enemies spawning from all sides. Killing a full wave of foes and your team will get a moment to breathe, replenish health, ammo, and argue who gets to use it and do it over and over and over again. Well, all right then. That's, um, interesting. That's all I can really say about it. It's a very interesting little thing that after all these years, one of the oldest granddaddies of first person shooters as a whole actually got an update. I don't know. Maybe I'll end up trying it out with a couple of friends. Who knows? I was, I'm, I was, I'm as surprised as a lot of you are most likely by hearing that. Yeah. Quake one is still playable. I would have thought that for one reason or another, it would have uh, just kind of fell apart. Just from going from like one version of windows to another, but apparently not. All right, that does it for the main podcast portion of it, but I do have a bit of insight to share with you. Spotify does this thing where they give a look back as to how you did over the year. And this is my first year actually being hosted on 
Spotify. By the way, for those who don't know, Anchor is owned by Spotify. So some of the specs that are, there are some, some of the specs, yeah. Some of the statistics that were given were very interesting. I mean, of course, they just said, hey, look, for, you had a lot of firsts this year. Of course I was. I just started. And on January 4th, you released your first episode. That's actually not true. Because, of course, the name of the episode is episode 248. Bitcoin can't stop and won't stop for now. Interesting. It's counting the episodes it took from the previous podcast host and counting those as one, as ones that are, you know, its own. I don't recall exactly when I first started, but it's, you know, it's, again, it's rather fascinating. Now, it, it also goes on to say you had some impressive growth. Well, I mean, you want to be technical? My growth went up 100% because I had nothing this year. But they're saying my streams are up 73%, meaning streams from Spotify, hours up 49%, and followers up 44%. I don't I wonder if that's actually comparing my stats on Spreaker, if it somehow got that. But I'll never know. Some of the other interesting statistics, 44% of your fans listen to you between 5 a.m. and 11 p.m. Now I'm assuming that counts in my time, which is central time. And of course, that can vary heavily, you know, based on where your listening location is. 5 a.m., that could be, actually, what would that be in the UK? That'd be almost lunchtime. So that's not too surprising at all. Here's the one that actually surprised me. You released 4,720, I'm sorry, 4,712 minutes of content across 47 episodes. Wow. Now, these specs, these stats are just for Eagle Eyes on Tech. This does not include the early bird briefing. The early bird briefing has, it, has its own. I don't think they actually made it for the early bird briefing because it's such a small podcast by comparison that their metric system might freak out. So that is the wrap-up from Spotify. Let me go quickly see if it has one for the early burb briefing. It does not. And that's a little disappointing, but I do see growth. A lot of that I know is because of Techtober and Tech November, Techvember. A lot of news breaking out and that sort of thing. Activision Blizzard, of course, caused a lot of eyes being drawn to various sources, getting their opinions. Just to see, it can't be that bad, can it? Yes. Yes, it is. So with that, my friends, I just want to say thank you for subscribing. Thank you for listening. I encourage you to check out the main podcast. I also encourage you to check out the daily podcast, The Early Bird Briefing. And check out my Twitch page, twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon. I swear, I stream things other than Final Fantasy XIV, even though... Currently, this past week, I streamed 24 hours of Final Fantasy XIV and 12 hours of other 
<laughs> oh, I love this game, man. Take care. See you next time.